Hello and welcome to the Soccer Speakeasy. It's uh, the first week of December, um, and we're coming off the conference semifinals, which were played uh, over the weekend in various sites, including one at Mafre Stadium, the Eastern an Eastern Conference semifinal between the Columbus Crew and the Nashville Football Clubbers. That was a two to nothing extra time game. We're going to talk about that and a lot more on this playoff edition of the Speakeasy with uh, Kyle Robertson, Jacob Myers, and me, I'm Mike Ayres. Thanks for joining us. Let's get uh, right to anything that might be fresh or semi-fresh. I should note we're recording this on Tuesday morning. It probably won't get posted until uh, Wednesday. Full disclosure, because our engineer. The podfather, Patrick Flaherty, is in parts unknown right now. And actually, he has the day off. But uh, I wanted to make it sound exotic. First to you, Jacob Myers, our fine dispatch beat writer. What's going on with the team coming off this uh, a two to nothing victory over Nashville in the conference semifinal? Yeah, I reported this morning, Tuesday morning, that after results from after Sunday's match, they tested after Sunday's match and then a round of testing on Monday when the crew had a regeneration session uh, at their training facility that one more player has a confirmed case of COVID-19 that made eight players on the crew. Uh, Kyle and I had a uh, special edition, if you will, podcast uh, before the game. I think we had six then, and then right after there was a seventh reported, Kyle. So they're up to eight now, and there's also one test that had an inconclusive result, which means that you take the sample, you run it twice, one comes back positive, another negative, uh, because you can't determine what is the case there. You test the player again. So like we said, this is Tuesday morning, and uh, I expect the crew to have some type of update, if not later today, maybe early Wednesday, but anytime before this will be posted on Wednesday. All right. Uh, so go to dispatch.com for the latest, uh, for sure. Um, uh, that's uh, uh, breaking news here on Tuesday morning from Jacob. Um, let's get to the uh, game just passed. The crew to Nashville zero was zero zero after 90 plus stoppage time. It went to extra time two 15 minute periods. Uh, the crew stuck struck twice in the first uh, first period, if you will. Um, two beautiful goals, um, and it was like, uh, well, I can't say it was like they were pregnant all game and finally birthed them because they had a tough time of it with with Nashville. Kyle, let's go to you. Um, uh, what 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 did you see uh, in in, uh, in the over the first ninety for the crew? I saw them start each half uh, on on the right foot, if you will, and and then um, uh, almost fall prey to right. Nashville's pace uh, and their, their, their system. They, Nashville managed to slow the game down and uh, defend extraordinarily well. Uh, anyway, your thoughts? Well, I think first off, I think they're extremely lucky. Um, you know, I think they uh, Nashville had the two best chances, uh, you know, in, in regulation uh, in the first half. I mean, they could have easily uh, been down two nothing and not even make it to um, you know to to the extended time. So I, I think that's all. You know, that's you know my first thought. You know, I thought they 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 came out really strong and, and played their game, but then like you know the last seventy minutes, I think they kind of 
fell into the trap of Nashville um, and they were kind of out of sync and uh, you know, they really didn't play their type of game until, um, until they got into the, uh, you know, to the overtime. Jacob, this, uh, uh, we kind of all waited with bated breath or at least until your podcast came on you and Kyle uh, uh, pregame um, uh, the other day, because there was an announcement last week that six players had tested positive at that point. Uh, heading into the weekend, or I think that was the number on Saturday, um, as you guys talked about, but but no one knew who they were for a good 48 to 72 hours. And then, uh, like, I personally wasn't aware until the telecast started, and they showed, they showed the list on ESPN. Um, so uh, who were the players? And, uh, you know, one of the things I'm scratching at here is, is they were lucky there, too. Um, only two starters were, were were pulled out of the lineup due to COVID. What, what what how did that all go down heading into the weekend? Yeah, so just to be clear that that list said, you know, players who are not medically cleared to play. Uh, of course, as I was told, anyone with a brain can see that they have seven confirmed cases and seven players on that list. So uh, one thing that threw people off was defender Vito Warmore was on that list, and he's been on there all year with a season-ending injury. But the seven players listed were starters Aloy Room, Derek Etienne Jr., and then reserve players Waylon Francis, Sebastian Burhalter, Miguel Berry, and John Kempen. And then, as we mentioned, Vito Warmhor was also on there as the seventh player. It left their spine intact, uh, not not including Room. But uh, uh, when you talk about you know the the strength down the middle with. Uh, uh, Nagby is the holding, and and uh, Zellerion is the attacking, and uh, Zardis up top. And uh, although they lost ATN, Luis Diaz stepped in uh, on on that wing and and played uh, a terrific game, as did Pedro Santos. So uh, the iron of the crew more or less remained intact, and that did prove to be the difference between these two teams ultimately. Yeah, and I, I think of course. The number one thing here is, right, we want these players to be healthy and not have symptoms and all that. All that being said, you're absolutely right, Mike. I mean, Aloy Room is a loss for sure, but in terms of the guys who really make them go, it's it's that front four plus Nagby. Uh, and all those guys were available. Kyle, I think you said it well that they were chances early, especially Dax McCarty's header off the crossbar. And, and you talked to Alejandro Moreno, Mike, who, who mentioned that. Um, Nashville is an incredibly difficult team to break down could you imagine if the crew was behind 1-0 just how that would have gone uh i I don't think it takes much imagination to see how maybe the game would have unfolded but you know eventually they got the play they needed from their star players lucas with his outside foot and and zardes played a terrific game uh, and as santos continues to play well in the postseason so yeah it was uh, lucky on two fronts. Just the players they needed in the lineup to get the win were available, and that McCarty header hit off the bar, and the crew were able to, you know, capitalize on their opportunities in extra time. Oh, it's it's so true. Uh, if if they go down one nothing in the 24th minute, if 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 Dax McCarty's yeah. header goes in, um, that bus they would have backed up would have been right out of like a Mel Gibson like movie, Mad Max. You know, it would have been just. Uh, impossible especially with uh, grace jones leaning out the side with a with the automatic weapon kyle um describe the goals for us because they were pretty uh, yeah uh, yeah no i i think uh 
you know, um, the the whole first goal started with an unbelievable pass by Zellerion, uh with his right foot and outside kind of pass, um, kind of pass that kind of curved inside. Um, you know, I think up until then he was pretty frustrated. I don't I don't think he really had a great game um, up until that point. But like we've said multiple times on this show, you know, that's why you know the crew paid the big bucks to bring in a guy like that. That you know. Um, you know, where one one or two plays makes a difference in a game. And, you know, he had an uh, you know unbelievable, you know, pass to free up Zardes to come down the um, the left flank and then found Pedro, um, who just put it, you know, um, you know, put it to the side where, you know, it was unbelievable. You know, well, and, it was a uh, one timer with his off foot as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's just yeah. bang, bang. Yeah. Uh, a terrific pass with pace on it that yeah. that, that Santos handled with his right foot. and. Yeah with a cracking shot inside the right post. Uh, uh, well done. And the, the second one was just, uh, well, I think other- Zimmer, Zimmerman, Zimmerman flew up into the play and uh, they didn't fill, it looked like to me. Um, but describe that one, because that was just, uh, that was just a, 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 deep, a long diagonal from Diaz right to middle right. and Giassi just beat everyone down the field. Yeah, no, like you said, uh, I think uh, Walker Zimmerman got caught, um, you know, heading up front, and he he did a good job all game of kind of getting up front, uh, up top, and kind of helping out when um, when he had the opportunity. But Zeleron, you know, forced the ball, kind of kind of kept it going, um, and then Luis Diaz finally, uh, I, I would say after his like twelfth cross into Zardes, finally played it into space, um, you know. I think he had a really good game and his work rate was well. Um, I, I think there were some mix-ups on some of the crosses and, and also Zardes earlier on the game, um, you know, not making that front post run on those crosses from Diaz. Um, and when he did do it, he had a couple opportunities to score. Um, but, you know, he put it away. You know, we, we've seen him do it multiple times this year and kind of make it, you know, the goalie came out and kind of put it to the right side, you know, on the ground and it was beautifully executed. Yeah, I mean, those three guys with Zellerian, I mean, Diaz, and the wings and, and, and the striker were, were excellent. Um, and and Zellerian, that pass alone was worth the price of admission. Uh, a pinky toe down the flank um, out of a triple team. And uh, uh, Jacob, did, will their lineup, I, I mean, we can't tell if there's going to be any, any more impact on their lineup yet. Yeah, that's fair to say. Um, and, and I'm still trying to get confirmation on what exactly the protocol is for players returning, if it had changed at all since the MLS's back tournament. From what I just remember and understand and, and asking other reporters around the league is I don't believe MLS ever publicized what their return to play protocols were once teams were back in the market. So uh, I'm try- still trying to figure that out. But like Kyle and I kind of ran down, you know, how depleted the roster is just kind of process of elimination. If they lose right now an eighth player, if, if it's another and beyond that, um, they're going to be severely limited. Now, of course, they didn't make a sub until extra yeah. time when they had the lead. So I think they smelled extra time, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I think he was watching them and, and uh, yeah. holding off as long as he possibly could because they knew that the extra time was coming. But, yeah, but, but, but it, it Porter has subbed out. Sorry. Yeah, I felt the whole time like they like the game was just going to go to extra time. Like I felt like you knew that uh, really when it turned around. And I agree with you, Mike, that Nashville had the best of the tempo of the game. And you could tell like they weren't really trying to press the crew. They were so content 
with with playing back. But in the 68th minute, that was when the crew finally got a shot on goal and they didn't have any more until extra time. But the crew really controlled the tempo after that. And I, that was a huge moment, just getting into extra time, maybe with a little momentum. And then Walker Zimmerman tried to close in on Zellerayon and, and that left open space in the back. It's it's crazy how those little things make the difference. Well, that was a problem for Nashville was uh, Walker Zimmerman was not only their best defender and the MLS defender of the year, but he was the best offensive player for that team on the field as well. Um, and in the end, he couldn't he couldn't do it all. Um that national team ends a remarkable run. They were the seventh seed and came in out of a playing game. Um, and I think uh, an, another factor, too, for them was not only the talent differential, but the fact that they were playing their third game in 10 days yeah. and they were looking at extra time. And I thought when uh, when when Santos scored, that's when they were like, oh, geez, OK, we're tired now. Oh, God, we can't do this anymore. It's like, uh, uh, but an extraordinary run for Nashville. Uh, good on them. And that's a formidable defense. As Jacob noted um, uh, in his postgame stuff, Jacob, what did, what did you have coming out of the locker room and from the coach, the genius? Yeah, <laughs> Luis Diaz had the best game uh, of the season and Caleb Porter kind of expanded on that a bit just because, you know, he's a player who one hasn't scored this year. And I think we could um, people like to use in any sport that term like a sophomore slump. Right. He's he's dipped, uh, you know, to avoid cliches. Uh, I'm not going to use that term, but he has he's dipped a bit. Um, but he totally deserved an assist in that game. It was uh, he was a consistent threat down the right side of the field, and it was clear what the crew were trying to do. And Caleb Porter uh, stated, as you could imagine, that he was incredibly proud of this team for dealing with all they had done emotionally this week with the COVID cases. And, you know, I don't want to make this narrative about adversity with the COVID cases and, and whatnot, but um, I think it's completely true to to credit them for trying to shoulder all of that throughout the week and still getting the result they needed. Well, Kyle, one thing Ali Moreno said and was emphatic about what I built a column around uh, uh, in this morning's editions, and you can check that out at dispatch.com. He was a he's always great to talk to. And uh, he, he was adamant the crew has to be a lot better next week. And and, and let's let's get to what's going on next week, this being this week. Um, uh, again, uh, MLS Cup playoffs are in the uh, conference final stage. Um uh, New England uh, against the crew. That's at Mafre Stadium on uh, on I got it's Sunday at three o'clock, and that's on uh, that's on ABC. So they're going to have the uh, the national game there, uh, and uh, New England as as the uh, as the number eight seed um, is 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 the upstart here. Uh, no no shock though with Bruce Arena. He he's done this a lot. He kind of he mucks through some seasons, figures out how to use his personnel, um, puts them in a comfortable place, and and uh, they get hot. Uh, they, get, they tend to get hot, start peaking at the right time. Hence his uh, five cups dating to 1996. Um, so New England at uh, Columbus Mafre Stadium Sunday at three o'clock on ABC. So that's the Eastern Conference final. And in the West, they're in the uh, semifinal stage tonight at 9:30. Of course, it'll be played by the time you hear this, but on uh, Tuesday night at 8.30 on Fox, uh, Dallas at Seattle, Dallas being the upstart out west, the number six seed. And then Thursday, uh, it's uh, Minnesota at number one, Sporting Kansas City, Minnesota being the fourth seed. 
And Kyle, they've been uh, moving these games around. The Western Conference Final uh, is uh, is uh, Monday at, at uh, eight o'clock on on Fox. So a little behind there, and the reason was because of football, I guess uh, the American the American kind. Yeah, they uh, moved. Uh, was it the Ravens Steelers about five times already, and then uh, what moved it again on uh, after the the MLS moved their games. So. Um, I believe it's uh, Wednesday at 3.30 because the uh, whoever has the game doesn't want to miss the tree lighting ceremony. NBC, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah I saw that. <laughs> anyway, I would suggest that uh, you pay me no attention when it comes to this stuff because I'm totally addled. And uh, check your local listings or follow Jacob on Twitter. Jacob, give me your Twitter handle. Underscore JC Myers. So there you go. Uh, I think they have it by now, Mike. They know it's just one underscore. Oh, that's good. You didn't fit shield in there, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gentlemen, looking ahead to New England, this is a very dangerous team um, as they've come together with their late season run, perhaps the hottest team in the league. Like the like the crew, um, they have a group of players up front that can cause a lot of problems. And uh, if if you don't have them defending uh, more than they're attacking um, it can it can spell a lot of trouble. Uh, Jacob, tell us about these guys uh, up front. Uh, Carlos Gill gets a lot of the ink, but uh, they have a young right back, um, uh, fullback Tejan Buchanan, who's who's been a, a big factor in these playoffs, as well as their uh, their playmaker um, Gustavo Bu. Yeah, Bo and, and Carlos Gill are two. Tremendous players. I mean, they DPs. Uh, as, as you know, this was a point in not to relitigate so many pre Bezbachenko, Porter, and, and new ownership stuff, but all the talk about why DPs are important and the crew having less than three for so many years. All the teams left had three have three DPs, um, and two of those guys are Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bo. They make that engine work for for New England. And this team is not a number eight seed. They're a number eight seed because these guys were hurt. At full strength, I would say they're easily top four in the East, and they're certainly playing like that. Tejan Buchanan on, on the right side uh, is going to be hell for the crew. It, it's going to be a tough matchup. Uh, as we've seen parts this year, the crew have really struggled. On the left side of that defense, we, we should say the defense, I thought, was at its best form in a long while uh, against Nashville. Granted, they're not the most capable offensive team, but they had scored seven goals in uh, in their last three games coming in. But yeah, this New England team's a lot better than what their seeding shows. And uh, I think there's no other team really playing as well as them right now, other than maybe Seattle. Right. And, and Kyle, um, you know, one thing that, that uh, Ali Moreno was talking about was, and he was focused on Buchanan and uh, uh, his thing was, uh, is making him think he has to play defense. Um, and he saw that, as much as, you know, Gill's impact on that side, but he saw the speed on that flank from the fullback as, as being a, a, a key issue for the crew to to handle. Yeah, I mean, you're right. But the other thing that you guys are talking about is, you know, the goalie, Matt Turner. I mean, he's had a heck of a heck of a season and there's been a lot of Twitter conversations out there that he that he should maybe be the number one number one guy for uh, Team USA. But um, you know, I think he's had a really good year and I, you know, I, I, I think he kind of gave up a, an easy one there, uh, last week, but, um, still, I mean, when you have 
you know, guys scoring and good defense, good defense as in your goalie. I mean, they're going to be hard, hard to stop. So, um, but yeah, just pay attention to the, um, you know, to the revolutions, uh, you know, goalie. And then also, uh, was it, there's a stat I saw earlier from, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Steve Cirque, right? Is it Cirque? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he says the, the, the crew is, uh, Owen two versus Bruce and, uh, Owen three versus the revolution. So all time they're, um, you know, Owen five against Bruce and, or the revolution in the playoffs. So they got some dragons to slay. Well, those, those, uh, those meetings with Bruce arena were way back in the early days when, when he was at DC. Uh, but yeah, but those are well Eastern taken. conference, but those are Eastern conference finals. I mean, those, you know, those, right. uh, 97, 98 teams. Uh, and then I think the revolution, uh, was 2002, um, Eastern conference, uh, finals. So they've, they, you know, they played for the hardware against the revolution and, and against DC. So, and, and, uh, Caleb Porter actually mentioned arena saying that, uh, you know, I've never coached against him in the playoffs. And he said something to the effect of, uh, uh, I'm not sure I'm ready, but my team is, uh, you know, actually showing a little deference there, which is interesting. Um, uh, what are what are the players saying about this New England team? One thing I'm curious about, Jacob, um, that I wanted to ask you about it's 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 uh, among the verities of of these types of uh, knockout play, playoffs, these tournaments, is uh, you know you you rely your best players have to be your best players. You win or lose with your best players. We saw the crew win uh, with their best players um, uh, against Nashville, uh, but the the other old saw is um, that. Uh, uh, you know, you get hot in MLS uh, at the right time. And, uh, you know, Greg Berhalter was was very good at this um, is getting as Bruce Arena has with with the revolution and other teams over the years. But um, you build up to the playoffs and, and you get your team peaking at the right time and you can make a run. My question to you is, um, uh, is the crew hot right now? Yeah, I, I think you can say they are, because even though that they didn't have their best offensive game against Nashville uh, after having a really good offensive game against Red Bulls. And, you know, the rightful caveat that they had very limited training because of the COVID cases uh, throughout the week. But I I would say they're hot because when their big players need to step up, they have shown a few games in a row here that that they are doing so. Uh, But, you know, to your point, New England is right there with them. And I, this, thing is pretty much a toss-up at this point. Kyle, one one advantage the crew has, and, and, and they've been fortunate in this regard, is the way the Eastern Conference broke in the postseason. And uh, with the one and two seeds getting knocked out um, uh, earlier, uh, the path opened for the crew to host for the rest of the way. Um, uh, they obviously hosted uh, uh, the conference semi. They're going to host the conference final. And if they get through... Um, they will host the MLS Cup championship game. And, of course, they, they didn't win on the road this year, but they only lost once at home. So there is something to this home field advantage, whether there are any fans in the stands or yeah. not. And uh, um, that that may tinge them with destiny, yeah. although I'm not getting that feeling quite yet. Carl, we're yeah. so oh, just yeah. oh, sorry. Our Roomba starts at noon every day. Um but no, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think that's the one thing that I was thinking about, um, you know, when I was watching the game um, the other night was just how what the atmosphere would have been like if they had 
had fans. I mean, uh, you know, Mike and I, we, we've been there for some of those epic uh, home games in the playoffs. And uh, when they won, um, what, in 2000, um in 2008, 2008, it was they won the Eastern Conference at home, right? Correct. I believe that's um, correct. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, just the energy and the, you know, I, I just can't, I just can't imagine, you know, or I can't imagine what what that would have sound like to, to, you know, to hear Pedro score with a, you know, with a full packed house. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, you know, we've talked about it many, many times. The, you know, the, they play really, really well at home, and they're lucky. And I think they need to kind of keep it up. But like you said, they're going up against, you know, the hottest team that's left. I think so. It's going to be a great battle, and and I think that if the fans were there, they would give them maybe that little extra kind of. Uh, momentum or energy they might need in a game like this well it's it's clear they do have uh that that there is a home field advantage whether or not anyone's in there i mean they they just uh what was it montreal the only loss at home this year they just don't they've been (laughs) they've had an advantage jacob what's up with the fans when did the call come to uh uh not allow the 50 the token 1500 and just allow friends and family which, by the way, if you're going to let anyone in, uh, you know, it's fine, friends and family, but, of uh, 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 you know, the organization and stuff like that. But um, I, I always thought this stuff was, was for the fans. Anyway, how did those decisions uh, go down? It was interesting. It was a couple of days before, I believe, Thursday, so t- before the Red Bulls game, we talked to Tim Bespachenko and the afternoon and and i had asked him about the increase of cases and and allowing fans and all that and um it seems like they were still going forward with it and then after that um i got a statement from columbus public health that said they they thought the crew were changing their policy and i believe that statement came right after franklin county announced their stay-at-home advisory so that seems to what had been changed uh, or, or had caused that change from 1500. So it, it's a total bummer uh, that the fans can't be there to experience uh, what could end up as a really historic season. It's certainly accomplishment uh, to this point that they've gotten to the Eastern Conference final. But as long as cases are what they are, uh, if, you know, if the crew advances and sporting Kansas City doesn't make it to MLS Cup, we could be looking at a uh, MLS Cup at home without the Nordic and, and which would just it'd be a very sad scenario. You know, Kyle, it was it was, uh, it was good of you to bring up um, some of the past playoffs um, because it, it's kind of been lost in everything else during the pandemic. Um, as Jacob mentioned, you know, uh, you you look up and they're it's such a weird atmosphere, but they're in the Eastern Conference final um, and they're going to have it at home and. You start thinking of 08 and 09 and 15 when they when they hosted the, the yeah. cup final and lost to Caleb Porter's Portland team. Um, what the atmosphere was like all week in the city and and especially in the stadium. Um, it, it was uh, and I, I, I also hearken back to 2017. Was it Kearnsy that got the Adam Carnes that that got the. Uh, the great shot of the guy sticking the Ohio flag in pre-court space. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that 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 atmosphere was, was lit as well, and that's when they were doing everything to try to keep people out of the stands. Remember, they had things set up. They didn't want them sell it out. They had, like, one entrance, and yeah. they were 
they 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 had you bring in just a per, like a little bag. It had to be clear, and um, they didn't have enough people out in the lots. They were just trying to kill the whole enterprise, and yet the people persevered. And this would have been a, a, a wonderful uh, celebration of the game here in Columbus, especially considering that it could be the last game. Once again, we've talked about it on this program. Um, can't predict what the schedule is going to be, when they're even going to start. We know that they're going to play a lot of road games. We don't know how many prior to their stadium, uh, new stadium opening in downtown, Jacob. Um, but uh, this is it. This could be it. Wouldn't it be it would, <laughs> As, as uh, a Columbus guy, I think it'd be, uh, and, and knowing what that stadium meant to the league and, uh, and to professional soccer, um, it would be cool to have to have the last two games in Moffrey Stadium be the conference final and, and the final. Because yeah, it's they, a little electric. Absolutely. And, you know, they are aiming to have some games at Moffrey next year uh, before the opening of the stadium. Uh, maybe I would, at minimum, it seems four, but... Uh, you know that, like, who who knows what what that might look like based on virus, vaccine, and, and when the season might start and all that. Kyle, what are more, one or two or three more tailgates are needed before they move out of that place? You know, I, I'm just saying if the if they make the finals and, they, and they're hosting the MLS Cup, I mean, you might see fans try to tailgate somewhere or. You know, I don't know. It's going, to, it's going to be crazy. But I will say, though, I mean, I, I've been lucky enough to, uh, you know, being a photographer, I've pretty much been at all the, you know, all the different sporting events around Columbus, uh, you know, so far, Ohio State football, basketball. And it's just there's just everything is just weird. It, it doesn't feel like a real game. Um, so, I mean, to, to have the players kind of come out and still perform at, you know, uh, at that level. I mean, it's just, everything's just weird. I mean, it, and it's just weird to cover it. It's weird to be there. It's weird to watch. Um, so, um, and, you know, and it will be weird. It will be weird if, you know, they, if they win, uh, you know, uh, on Sunday and they host a trophy and no one's cheering. I mean, there will be some cheers, but, but you know, um, it's just, I don't know. It's just, 2020 well, is weird, man. <laughs> yeah, they're still they're still coming over toward the Nordic, even though yeah. it's empty for yeah. for wise men at the end, which I think is a good touch. Yeah. Well, there's there's uh, Seattle and and Kansas City lurking in the West, not to mention Dallas and Minnesota, and not to mention New England. But uh, in the East, they are they should be the favorites, uh, and uh, they, if if they feel that uh, if they embrace that. Um, embrace that stature, which they've earned. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you, you hope they have the same feel to them, Jacob, that they had in the middle of the summer when the when they when it looked like no one would ever beat them. And and Kyle would remember that was the feeling with the OA team uh, heading down the stretch yeah. in September, and uh, they 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 that they just knew they weren't going to lose, and and everyone knew they weren't going to lose. Jacob, how is their state of mind? Did, did national um, Dented at all? Um, are they rising to this, embracing this uh, this this favorite role that they now have in, in the East? Yeah, I think they're pretty even keel. Uh, I mean, just look at kind of some of their players like Jossie Zardes and Darlington Nagby. It's tough to get a ton of emotion out of them publicly because, I mean, they're just guys that go into any game thinking that they can get the job done. Uh, I think regardless of who they were playing, they would be pretty confident. I look at the teams like, you know, Toronto would be the one I think we all kind of circled like, oh, I don't I don't know if they'll get by that one. But 
you know, Philly they beat twice and uh, Orlando, what they played one of their worst games, but, you know, getting all these guys back healthy toward the end of the year, like we've talked about so many times, I think they have every right and reason to be confident uh, heading into this match. Uh, I, I don't think they're looking at New England as the eight seed that's pulled off a couple upsets. Uh, more so against a team that is incredibly hot and one of the best in the East. Yeah, well, the crew is home for as long as they want to be. And uh, unless you gentlemen have anything to add, we should probably wrap this up because we're going off on weird tangents now. Unless uh, Sporting Kansas City advances MLS Cup, it'll be in Kansas City because of points per game. Um, but but yeah, like there's there are a lot of scenarios here where the crew could be hosting MLS Cup. Right. That's a good catch there, Jacob. Thank you very much. Um, uh, so it's not points, it's points per game. Um, and geez, I bollocks a lot of stuff. I'll have to polish up for our next our next, our next podcast. One, one other thing I'll just bring up is, um, you know, with, with another positive case, and those listening there, check dispatch.com for uh, more updates. There could be more after it's about noon now on Tuesday. Um, who, who knows what this, what effect this had during the game, uh, and the league has been very silent on it, uh, has not had a, a single statement. So I know they're working with the, the crew and Kayla Porter said the medical experts and doctors of the crew in the league, uh, said it was safe to play. So, uh, we all hope that's the case, but, uh, I just don't know. It kind of throws into question, um, if that game should have been played or, or postponed. Yeah, and we'll see what happens going forward. The virus is out there. Gentlemen, thank you very much for Jacob Myers and Kyle Robertson and for the podfather who will eventually get to editing this program. I'm Mike A. Race. Thanks for joining us. And somebody kick us out of here. <laughs> <laughs>